I don't remember if I shared with you last year on the Feast of St. John Paul II or, or not, uh, but uh, I and a few of my classmates, uh, when we were uh, traveling to uh, Israel for our uh, three months of study there, uh, some of us stopped on the way, uh, on the way there uh, for a little pilgrimage in Rome itself, and we had a private audience with uh, now St. John Paul II. Uh, when we were being ushered in, we had asked the Swiss guard, and this was in uh, Castile Gandolfo, it's not the Vatican apartments, but we had asked the Swiss guard all the same, how long has His Holiness been there? Having been told he's already been up and, and praying in the chapel, and the guard said, two hours. And we had another half hour at least before Mass was to begin. So two and a half hours, and there we were, about as close as any of you are to me, to uh, His Holiness, and we, uh, I could hear those, uh, that sounded, if you didn't know what was happening, it sounded like groans of pain, physical pain, like one walking up the steps with arthritic knees, or one whose back is a little too crippled over, or or whatever, but that wasn't the pain he was expressing. Rather, it was a, a spiritual pain, the pain of those who uh, struggled with faith, the pain of those who struggled. And uh, we weren't the first ones and the only ones to hear this, and this is the only way we know this, that uh, at that point, it's still fairly early in his sufferings, 97, that he was groaning with the Holy Spirit. And that's what every time we have this passage I think of is, is that kind of groaning. Have you ever met somebody in prayer who it was so deep in prayer they would make groans and moans because they didn't know what else to do of themselves uniting themselves to the cross, uniting themselves to suffering and pain, not a physical pain, and not knowing necessarily how to pray but allowing the Spirit to pray in them. There's something beautiful about that. But it starts very small, and perhaps that's uh, not, not just mere coincidence. We have this gospel passage, and yesterday I mentioned the, the theme of, of uh, in the gospel of Luke of uh, women and men. Uh, here we have that theme being, and I was so slow I didn't see it until she pointed it out. Uh, but here we have this. We have the, the, the man who sows the mustard seed and, and gets the scrap, and then the woman who takes the wheat or, and the flour and puts in the yeast. In the kingdom of God, Jesus says, it's like that, where it starts out small and becomes large. Uh, and, of course, we need to point out mustard seeds don't get that large, that huge birds of the sky can dwell in its branches. A few sparrows can tip a mustard branch. They only get to a mustard, a mustard tree or bush. It only gets to about maybe about four, five, six feet. What I do know, though, is if you plant one seed and you don't catch all the seeds, the next year you have 100 seeds. And it is large enough for sparrows to find shelter in. It starts very small. Of course, we know elsewhere Jesus uses, if we have faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, here he's talking about what that seed can grow into. Or the, the woman with yeast, and most of us have some experience with uh, baking bread, if, even if we've not explicitly done it. We, we know what it means to take, take yeast and put it in flour and wait for it to, to grow and expand, and then we knead it and, 
it, it grows again and expands again. And you can do that on and on until either all the sugars are consumed and that yeast uh, has overproduced where it can no longer sustain itself and it dies, or you add more sugar, more flour, and more, more liquid, and, and it keeps growing and growing and growing because yeast is a living organism that all it takes is a little bit. Or elsewhere, Jesus uses the image, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and he's using that, that, that evil stuff that can come in. If, uh, I was sharing the other day, I, I uh, used to make kombolka, if you know what that is, it's fermented tea. It's really good. It doesn't sound so good, but it is really good. But what, what can happen is if you're not careful, instead of yeast being in there, you can get mold. The yeast and the, um, the other things, the alcohols, it's minor alcohol, the, the, the acidity that's created kills all the back, back, bad bacteria except some. Well, Jesus says, here, the kingdom of God is like that yeast. It raises the whole batch. And perhaps this day to be, pay attention to the little ways that we're responding to the kingdom of God, that uh, in the little ways, not to pay, not to... Uh, to not pay attention to them is to miss what God is doing or to not pay attention to them is to start down a path perhaps we don't want to go down. How good starts with so small and so does evil. We should not fear the evil but rather pay attention. Is, is this little thing that I intend to do, a little word of, of rebuke or, or whatever it is, is this going to lead me in a path of holiness or not? And of course, when it is full grown, we see the beautiful thing again, back to the mustard seed. When we do these things, when we allow the little things in our life and allow the kingdom of God to grow in us, what happens is it spreads to others. That the littleness of our actions can inspire them to accept the kingdom of God too. The kingdom starts very small. And perhaps... Sometimes we need that step back as His Holiness St. John Paul II was able to, to step back and to see the whole picture and groan for it, groan for that kingdom that's growing in us.